0: In this barren wilderness, even a small patch of peas is worth guarding. They were just peas. Not very tasty, not much nutritional value, not enough to feed very many. But they were God's peas, intended for consumption by God's people. They were the property of the God of Israel. The noble soldier was one of David's loyal friends. Scripture refers to him as one of David's mighty men. Standing guard, Shama thinks about the many times he had come to the aid of his king. The bloody horror of battle, giving way to shouts of victory as he and his companions celebrated his warriors do. But this day he isn't headed out to fight a mighty battle. He serves a small assignment, guarding a small pea patch. But Shama determined he would give his all to fulfill his simple responsibility for that day. A snap twig and the scree of loose shell under an approaching sandal commands his full attention. All of his battle-hardened senses immediately rise to high alert. His keen eyesight picks up a slight movement in the tree line about a hundred paces below him and to his right. He remains perfectly still, hardly breathing, ready for anything, fearing nothing. He silently lifts a prayer to Jehovah, Lord of hosts. Asking for strength to serve him in the danger he senses is coming. As he asks God to grant him victory for his glory, he spots stealthily advancing enemies. From his vantage point, Shama sees a large band of Philistine soldiers approaching. They're coming for his patch of lentils. Shama sounds the alarm, but rather than preparing for battle, his men all run for their lives. They take off, go AWOL in the face of this fierce horde. The realization makes his knees weak. He has two choices. Quietly slip away or stay and stand his ground. Do his duty and fight, defending God's pea alone. He chooses the latter. Shama knows the implications of that choice. It could be the last decision he would ever make. If it has to be the will of his God, he resolves to do with honor. He will stand, fight, suffer, bleed, and die if called upon to do so. But he will not desert his post, abdicate his responsibility, or flinch in the face of fierce adversity. He will keep to his assignment, and he will fight for God's glory. When he stands exposing his position to the enemy, there is no turning back, no fighting from the periphery, or taking puny pot shots with a sling. This courageous warrior runs to meet his adversaries in deadly combat. Standing in the middle of the pea patch, this solitary man takes on all comers, defending God's lentils and God's honor. One by one, the enemy goes down under the blade of his sword. When the last Philistine falls, Shama also falls to his knees, bloody, bruised, and exhausted, worshiping the God of Israel, the God who hears the humble prayers of weary, lonely soldiers. When a detachment of Israel's finest charge over the ridge, The battle scene shocks them. One man standing alone in the peas, surrounded by a troop of once mighty Philistines, now now all fallen corpses. One lone man determined to fight for his transcendent cause, God's glory above all else. Shaman's heroic victory became legendary among Israel's fighting men. His strength, resolve, faith, and commitment to seeing his responsibility through to the end encouraged generations of young men to take their stand in battle, even when alone and outnumbered. Shama is a witness to the grace of God given to a man who decides he will not run or flee, but remains at his post, whatever the cost to him personally. Take your Bibles and open them this morning to Second Samuel, where we read just this brief description of the man that I took the liberty to add some details to the story. We don't know exactly how it transpired. One day we'll find out in heaven. There's not much in scripture about this man, Shama, but in 2 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 11, we read these simple words and account of his heroism. And next to him was Shama, the son of Aji, the heroite. "...the Philistines gathered together at Lehi, where there was a plot of ground full of lentils, much like our modern-day soybeans. And the men fled from the Philistines. But he, Shama, took his stand in the midst of the plot and defended it, and struck down the Philistines, and the Lord worked a great victory." Just a small patch of peas. God's peas. One man decided to stay and to fight. Was that worth risking everything? Was that worth the possibility of losing his life? Just a small plot of soybeans? It was a common tactic in Old Testament times when an invading enemy went into the territory that they were seeking to conquer. One of their strategies was to completely destroy all the crops, all the livestock, all the animals. This demoralized and struck fear and terror and it took away the future and the hope of those that the enemy was advancing against. The Philistines were experts at these kind of terroristic tactics. Shama was a great warrior and one of David's finest men. On this day, he was given this very small and seemingly insignificant assignment. The account is one that that I wrote. And although it's, it's fictional, we don't know exactly what took place. I think it's very probable that there was something very much like that that took place on that day. The Bible doesn't give us a lot of detail. But it does say that there was a patch of peas and there was one man that didn't flee and he dared to stand and to fight even to the death for that little insignificant plot of ground that was producing those few peas. You may feel like that you're in a very insignificant place in your life, that your life doesn't matter very much at all. For every believer, you need to understand this. Your God has saved you not only for a very important purpose, but a purpose that is eternal in nature. You're not an accident. You were not chosen by the Heavenly Father just at random. You were selected. You were drawn to Him. You were given grace to trust Him, to repent of your sins. And you've been given the strength to call upon the Lord's name. Everything that has been done in your life that is eternal in nature and value has been done by God and by God alone. It's not accidental that you're a part of the family of God if indeed you are a child of God. So even though your life may seem insignificant, even though it may seem like there's not much going on that could matter very much at all in your life, if you are a child of God, God has eternal purposes in His mind of perfect wisdom that He desires to work through your life. Now if you're not a child of God, life is just pretty much worthless. It's pretty much empty. You have highs, you have lows, you have good days, you have bad days, but nothing really makes any sense. You're just kind of being drug along down the current of life. Whichever way life takes you, you just kind of bounce along with it. And it seems like there is no purpose. There is no rhyme. There is no reason. And the reason why it seems that way is because that's true if you're not a child of God. But if you are a child of God, your life does matter or God would not have saved you. God has perfect wisdom in choosing you as His son or His daughter. Your life has significance and value Even if it seems like you're just in a very small pea patch that nobody knows about and doesn't matter at all. It does matter. Every believer is in a battle. But especially men are called to be warriors. All of us as children of God face spiritual opposition and a spiritual enemy. And we're engaged in spiritual battle whether we realize it or not. But for those of you who are men, for those of you who are husbands, and those of you who are fathers or grandfathers, for those of you who stand as a single man, and you you desire to live for the honor and glory of God, life is going to be a battle. It's going to be difficult. There are going to be hard choices to make. There are going to be times when discouragement and loneliness and doubt will, will just overrun your heart. And it may seem like you're just standing in the midst of a bunch of peas. And it's not very important at all. There are going to be uh, temptations just to run from it. There going to be temptations to do what you want to do, to live life the way you want to live it. Hey, when do I get to enjoy life? When's my time coming? Sometimes you might feel that way. Stay the course. To be a man means to choose to do what's difficult, to do what sometimes cuts against the grain of what everybody else is doing. To be a father and to be a husband that brings honor and glory to God is perhaps the most difficult assignment of all. I'm not taking anything away from motherhood. Motherhood has its own unique challenges, of which I can only attest to as an observer. I don't know. But I know that motherhood is very, very difficult. But to be the man that God desires for you to be if you're a follower of Christ is something that none of us can accomplish on our own strength. It's a job that is far beyond any of us. It's a pea patch that God has placed you in where sometimes you think, Man, is this all there is to life? Isn't there so much more? Man, I'm trying to earn a living. I'm trying to be a good husband to my wife. I'm trying to be a good dad to my children, but I fail in every respect. I know that I'm not all that I should be. And and, and after all, what difference does it make? It makes a difference. None of us are all that we should be. But that points us to this fact. Every single one of us are in need of the grace that only God can provide. Every single one of us. Some of you are here this morning and you didn't have a good dad. Father's Day is difficult for you because you cannot honor sincerely the dad that you had. Some of you had a great dad. And this is a great day and a joyous day when you think about the great dad that you had, but not everyone can say that. Some dads are abusive. Some dads are cruel. Some dads are inattentive. Some dads completely run away from their little pea patch, never to return again, to leave lives in absolute chaos and brokenness, try to figure it out on their own. More and more that's happening in the culture around us. It's one of the reasons, one of the primary reasons I believe that we're seeing the total degrading of our culture. It's because dads have completely abdicated their responsibility. Why? It's tough. It takes hard work. It takes selflessness. Living not for yourself, but living for the sake of others. And if you're not a follower of Christ, that's almost impossible to do. Even when you are a follower of Christ, self still rises up. You want to do what you want to do. You want to to get what you want to get. You You want to live the life you want to live. You don't want to lay it down for the sake of a wife that doesn't respect you oftentimes, of children that are unruly. What's the sense of that? You can tell what kind of a man a husband or a father is. When they're going through the worst, absolute worst of times in their family, they still stand strong. They take the blows. They take the hits. They don't retaliate. They humble themselves. They lower their voices. They lower their rhetoric. They pray like Shama did to God for strength and help. And they asked the Lord to give a great victory because only God can give you the victory and me the victory that we so desperately need. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty good at one thing. Any of you have one thing that you're pretty good at? Some of you ladies have the gift of shopping. You may think, well, I'm pretty good at shopping. I think I can do that pretty well. Or it may be something else. Some of you uh, ladies may be good at the finances. You may do the finances of the household. Or uh, some of you men, you may think, well, I I think I'm a a pretty good provider. I work hard. I'm a really hard worker. All of those are good things. You know what I think I'm best at? I think I'm best at completely, absolutely failing. I'm really good at that. Everything that I try really, really hard and I really give my best and my all and I really, really wanted to succeed, I always fail miserably. Do you know what? For me, that's a gracious reminder of my absolute, ever-present need to trust the grace of God and to rely upon Him. I can't achieve victory on my own. Some of you may be able to walk through life I mean, just skip through life. Everything you do, it just ends in wild success. And everybody's saying, what a great job you did at this. Well, you're fantastic at this. Wow, you're so talented. You're so gifted. For a lot of people who go through life that way, I think that's probably a curse. They begin to think wrongly that they can handle it all on their own. And they don't need God. They don't need the strength and grace that only Christ can provide. I think it's good to be reminded, and being a husband and being a father are two areas which really remind us pretty constantly, that we're not good at it on our own strength and our own wisdom. We fail. And sometimes we fail miserably. All of us do at times. Even the very best of us fail at times. I want you to turn, if you would, while you're in the Old Testament, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 20. Deuteronomy would be back to your left. If you found 2 Samuel, then just flip back to your left toward the front of the Old Testament. And you'll find Deuteronomy in about 10 or 15 minutes. Deuteronomy chapter 20. God is giving instruction to His people concerning every aspect and area of life. In this chapter, He's addressing the laws of warfare. For the nation of Israel. We find this very interesting passage picking up in the uh, middle of verse three Hero Israel, today you are drawing near for battle against your enemies. Let not your heart faint. Do not fear or panic or be in dread of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to give you the victory. Then the officer shall speak to the people, saying, Is there any man who has built a new house and has not dedicated it? Let him go back to his house, lest he die in the battle, and another man dedicate it, and by inference live in it, enjoy it. Is there any man who has planted a vineyard, planted a garden, and has not enjoyed its fruit? Let him go back to his house, lest he die in the battle, and another man enjoy its fruit. And is there any man who has betrothed a wife and has not taken her? He is engaged to marry, but he has not yet entered into that relationship. Let him go back to his house, lest he die in the battle, and another man take her. And the officer shall speak further to the people and say, Is there any man who is fearful and hearted? Let him go back to his house, lest he make the heart of his fellows melt like his own. So here are four instances of those men who were about to go into battle were conscripted to serve God and serve Israel in fighting for the honor of God and for the nation of Israel. But God said, wait a minute. Before you go into battle, you check and make sure if there are any men whose life fits this description first of all, if there's anyone who's just built a house, but he has not yet lived in it, he's not yet dedicated it to the Lord, he's not yet gone in to enjoy it, then send him back, because his mind is going to be on what he's left behind. He really will not do the job that he needs to do. His his mind will not be there. His heart will not be there. His attention will not be at battle. He will will fight, but he will be distracted, and that will be a danger to all those who fight with him. Same thing with a man who has just planted... He's just cleared out all the rocks. He has just broken the ground and he has planted some fruit. He's planted uh, some grapes. He's planted maybe some lentils and some peas and he's not enjoyed it. And if he goes to battle, he's going to be thinking, what, what's happening to my garden? I worked so hard on that. This battle's not going to be over. And all of the harvest is going to be gone and that ground's just going to be a patch of barren ground again and all that work and all that labor in his mind is not going to be immediately on the task before him. And then there's the man who who is engaged, but not yet married. He's thinking about his wedding day. He's thinking about the time when he and his love are able to come together in holy matrimony, a sacred relationship that God watches over. Everybody alright? God said, don't let that man go into battle. His mind is going to be on his bride-to-be. His mind is going to be on his wedding day. He cannot be distracted. There are a couple of things that I want to bring out here. First of all, that you and I as men were in a battle. And it's so easy to be distracted from the fact that we are in a battle. There are many things that distract us. There are jobs. There are homes. There are all of our responsibilities. There are family responsibilities. But we need to remember that we are in a battle we must not let anything pull us away from the fact that we have responsibility to keep our eyes upon the captain of our salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. To keep our heart pure and clean and single focused upon the fact that we need to live surrendered, obedient lives to the Lord. It's so easy to become distracted. There's so many things vying for our attention. And we're going to surely lose a battle, but not only that, we're going to be a hindrance to those around us if we're not singularly focused. But there's another aspect of that if you'll notice in Deuteronomy 20 that's brought out. They will not be able to enjoy it. They will not be able to enjoy it. They will not be able to enjoy it. There is a future grace for those who are obedient to the Lord and who are not distracted by all that's going on around them, but is surrendered completely to Christ. There is a fruit to be enjoyed. There is a fruit of a man's labor that is yet to come In its right time and in its right place, there are blessings that God has for those who do not run, who do not flee, who stay the course, who endure the difficulty, endure the pain, endure the difficult seasons of marriage or the difficult seasons of parenthood. There are times of reward and blessing that God has. Do you believe that? I believe that. Sure, there are times of battle. There are times of difficulty. There are times when when you want to run. Even the best of us are struck down with fear or discouragement. If you don't have a walk with the Lord, I, I don't know how you go through this life. If you don't trust the strength of God day by day, I don't know how you get up in the morning Because even as believers, there are times that are very, very difficult to go through, aren't there? There are seasons, there are stretches of time that seem like they go on forever. That is just all we can do to hang on. And we just say, Lord, hang on to us, because I don't have enough strength to hang on to you. Thank God for His faithfulness. He always, always answers that prayer to those who are faint of heart, to those who are humble of spirit, to those who are broken. He will always hear the prayer of a broken heart. And sometimes at our very worst and when we're the most broken and when with all that's in us we want to give up and we want to run from whatever we need to be committed to and to be responsible for, those are the times when the Lord will draw nearest to us. His presence will become very real. He will strengthen us. He will let us know that He's holding on. There are times when the heavens seem silent. There are times when it seems like your prayers go unanswered. There are times when your soul cries out, God, where are you? Do you see what's going on in my life? God, if you see it, do you care? God, do you know what we're going through? Do you know what my wife and I are going through? Do you know what our family's going through? God, do you know what I'm feeling right now? God, do you, are you aware of my loneliness? Whatever it might be. Never let the silence of heaven confuse you about the care of God. God works through our pain and He works through His silence to accomplish what could never be done in times of great joy. He strengthens, He deepens. I wish there was another way around that. I wish there was another way that God worked the work that He wants to do in you and I. But that's what God does. It's a battle. It's difficult. We want to run from battle. Battle is terrifying. I've never been in battle, actual, real battle. Some of you maybe have. Some of you have trained and prepared for battle. Know that some of you have served our country in that way. But they say that battle is just beyond description. It's, it's terrifying. You just try to exist for another moment. And it's just be it defies description. There are some times in our lives where it's just like that. Someone asks you how you're doing and you honestly cannot explain to them how you're doing. Even if they really wanted to know, you don't know if you could explain exactly how you feel or exactly what you're going through. Have you ever been like that? Oh, we glibly say, hey, I'm all right. how are you? But inside, we're dying. The Lord knows every moment like that in your life and in my life. And the Lord is at work. It's a battle, but God has eternal purposes. He also says, Those who are fearful, don't allow them to go into battle because their fear will spread to others. Isn't that exactly right? You may not be able to see this as you look at me right now, but that's been a battle that I've had all of my life. It's just fear. What if this happens? What if that happens? I'm, I guess it's partly because I'm pretty much a, a pessimistic person. You know, glass half full, glass empty. Well, I, I see it half empty. Kim sees it overflowing. Just, I mean, she's so. I'm so thankful the Lord put us together because she's exactly. She's just always optimistic, always full of faith, and I need her so desperately because I'm always saying, "This is going to be terrible. This is never going to work." I and even when great things are happening, I would say, "Well, it's going to change. It's going to change." And so I, I constantly have to fight this. And you know what? I, I'm ashamed that when our kids were smaller, that, and they may not even know it, may not even realize it as adults, but I know it had an effect the that they didn't see the strength in their dad that they should have seen. Sometimes they maybe saw if whatever dads, husbands, men, whatever you are demonstrating in your life, it's going to have an impact on those around you. Whether for the good or for the nil. I know there were times where I was very fearful. I know there were times when that had a negative impact on our home. I know that that had a negative impact upon my children, upon those around me. And I'm ashamed of that. And I've asked for God's forgiveness. And I've repented of that. Those who are fearful, they can't go into battle. They can't accomplish what they are responsible to perform. They can't fulfill their duties. And furthermore, they will be an impediment. They will be a discouragement to those who are around them. One of the things that that good dads do that I've noticed is is it seems like whether they are or not in reality they seem to be always up. They seem to be always encouraging. They if if they have moments of, of of terror, moments of fear, they they keep it to themselves. But to their family and to their friends and to those around them, it's going to be all right. We're going to make it through this. The Lord is good. And it's not some kind of a fake religiosity. It is real. They have courage and they want to instill courage in others. Thank God for people like that in our churches. Thank God for people like that in our homes. If you're a dad like that, thank you for being that. And you need to think about... Your dad, if he's like that, you need to thank him. I heard some of the some of the children serenaded their dad this morning. I wish I could have heard that serenade of Happy Father's Day. Some of you younger children, uh, you made cards, silly cards, some of you said, for your dads. How many of you dads were wished happy Father's Day today? That's a blessing. And we didn't deserve that. I mean, what do we do? And and yet Somebody told us thanks for something we ought to be doing. Thank your Father. Give them recognition that they deserve. It's interesting if you turn to Luke 14 and we're going to close Luke 14. This same passage in Deuteronomy is alluded to. Jesus is telling a parable. A story that teaches a very important truth, a story about everyday life that everybody would understand, but it's teaching a spiritual principle that not all would understand. But it gives them a doorway to the truth. It gives them an opening to understand the truth of God's kingdom a little better. That's what a parable is. Jesus, of course, was a master at it. In Luke 14.12, he said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner for a banquet, do you not invite your friends and your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors? Lest they Do do not invite them, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. Don't serve so that you may be served. That's not the way of Christ. Don't give to others just so they might give you something in return. By the way, that's a great principle for dads. We don't don't do what we do or shouldn't do what we do just so somebody gives us a Happy Father's Day encouragement. If no one ever compliments us or gives us any kind of return on our investment of our lives into, into their lives, that's fine. Don't do it for that sake. When you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, verse 14, and you will be blessed. Again, there's blessing in the future. There may be fear, there may be discouragement, there may be loneliness, there may be uh, weakness right now, but there's blessing ahead. You will be blessed because they cannot repay you. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And when one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he spoke up and he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet, and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything's now ready. Now is the time. To follow the Lord. Now is the time to trust in Him if He's speaking to you. Not some other day. Now is the time. Everything ready. Everything is ready. Christ has offered Himself for you on the cross. There's nothing more that needs to be done for you to be saved, for you to be a part of the family of God, for you to have a place at the table in heaven. Nothing else needs to be done. You can't add to it. Christ has already done that work for you. But a man began to give excuses. The first said to him, I bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Verse 19. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I love this. It's the greatest excuse of all for a man. I've married a wife. That excuses me from everything. That's not exactly what it says, but you get the idea. That's what he was saying. I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. All these excuses. Jesus told this in the context of this parable about inviting people into the, to the, to the feast of our God in heaven. And the only way that we can have a seat assigned to us and reserved for us is by trusting in the finished work of Christ. It's not through religion. It's not through being a Baptist or a Methodist or an Episcopalian or a Pentecost. It's not in being any of those things. It's only in trusting what Christ alone has done for you that we sang about. He paid it all. He paid your sin debt. Your sins can be forgiven. You have the opportunity to become a child of God because of what God has done for you through His Son. But they all begin to make excuses. Men, and when I speak to you, I'm speaking to me. Let's determine that we will not be like the men in this parable that made excuses of why they couldn't come to Christ. If you need to come to Christ, fall on your knees and repent and ask God to have mercy on you. He will hear you. No excuses. Well, I can't come to Christ now I've got this in my life. I need to get this straightened out. Don't wait for a better time. Don't wait till you do something. Trust Christ now. No excuses. Men? Don't beat yourself up about what a sorry husband you are or what a sorry dad you are. No more excuses. Just say, Lord, I'm coming to you. I repent. Lord, I know that I have sin in my life. Lord, I know that I need You desperately. I know that there's the sin of prayerlessness. There's the sin of not being in Your Word to get wisdom and strength. Lord, I don't need to just try harder and try to be better and then to make excuses for why I'm not. Lord, I need You! That's what all of us need constantly. The very last verse in the Old Testament in Malachi 6.14, it says this, When the Lord returns, and he was looking to the Lord Jesus coming, when he comes, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. One of the marks of following Christ is our hearts will be turned to him. No excuses. One of the the marks of of a child of God is that our heart will be turned toward our Father. There is no Father that is perfect, but our Father in heaven is perfect. And I need to go to Him. You need to go to Him. You need to pray. Like the Lord Jesus taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, holy, set apart is Your name. No excuses. It's a battle. It's difficult. It may be just a little pea patch that you're in, but it's God's pea patch. It's for God's honor. Stay the course. Don't run. Don't flinch. Look to the heavens and trust your Father. Trust your God. Let's pray. as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed in this holy moment, I, I don't know where your heart is. For some of you, you may have never trusted Christ. And you're just kind of biding your time right now until you, this service is ended and then you're just going about your business. I understand that. But you need to understand this. You're not here by accident. You're not here just to check off a box and then leave and go on about your life. You're here because the grace of Almighty God has brought you here for this brief moment so He in love and kindness and mercy might speak to your heart with everything else stripped away. All of your activity, all your busyness, all the things that you love in life, all the things that your mind is consumed with thinking about or you're wanting to, wanting to do, all of that maybe is taken away for a moment. And God, can speak. your Creator, the One who knows you best, the One who loves you most, the one who cares for you like no one else, He brought you here so He could speak to you. It's not about a man speaking. It's not about you being a part of a church. It's not about you being a certain religion. Where are you with your God? That's all that matters. That's all that matters at this moment. We'd love to talk with you about this. We're not going to ask you to make any kind of a show if God is dealing with you we'd love for you to come to us and talk to us we'd be glad to or talk with somebody else that you trust then you can see there's something so different about their life You, you really believe that they probably know God talk to them but whatever you do don't make excuses don't put it off now is the time to trust Christ you may be here and you may be really discouraged. You may be a man that you just feel like what's the use? Kind of wasted most of my life up to this point. I can see all the all of my failures kinda of come before. Me. Maybe you're a man that has a lot of regrets about the lack of being a good father, lack of being a good husband. And maybe you're kind of reaping the consequences of a life that hasn't been lived in full obedience to the Lord. I want you to know the blood of Christ can put all of that behind you. Consequences are still there, but the grace is greater than all our sin. The Lord can give blessing where there's been curse. He can give joy where there's been pain. The Lord alone can do that. But you must come to Him and humble yourself before Him. Say, Lord, I need you. Heavenly Father, You alone know our hearts. And Lord, you brought us here today. You know each one. You know each one by name. And you know each one of us. You know our thoughts. You know exactly what we're thinking right now. Some of us may be thinking, if I can just make it about five more minutes, I can get out of here. Some might be thinking, oh God, I've messed up so bad. Oh God, can you forgive me? Lord, whatever our thoughts are, you know. And Lord, You can work in our lives. You can cleanse us. You can can strengthen us. You can give us a new start through Christ. You can give us a new life in Him. And Lord, I pray You would speak to each one as only You can. That they might be turned towards You. That their hearts might be turned towards You, our Father. Help us to stand strong, those of us who are Christians, in our little pea patches. Help us, Lord, to fight. For your honor, and for our family, like that is the only thing that matters. Because it is. Help us to do that, Lord. In Jesus' name.